All right, welcome to episode 68 of the Dwelly Podcast. I am Stuart Anderson. Just a short introduction here before we hear from Chris Johnson of TVD. Thankful for Chris as he talks about his cycling journey and why cycling ticks off so many boxes for him. He's got incredible perspective that we can all learn from. Uh, Just a great example and mentor and uh, thankful for Chris, his friendship, and especially all those TBD guys. They are so good. Uh, Love riding with them and love connecting with them in so many ways. So big shout out to Chris. Hopefully we'll have some more episodes coming up with the TBD guys and as they talk about the start of their club and how they train for Lodija and how they just keep that stoke so high. These guys train so hard. So hopefully you enjoy this episode with Chris. Uh, a lot of great pearls in here. Also, Team Store is open for 2023. Both red and black kits are available. We're grateful for Volet and all they do for us. Thankful for the designs and all the awesome things that they provide our team from the gear perspective. Team fees should be paid on the Shopify, the Team Shopify account before you start ordering kits. $100 team fee this year, which goes towards Team Camp, as well as our big team event in August, the Canyons Challenge Ride that we're sponsoring, uh, which benefits the Wheels of Justice charity. So that's exciting. Grateful to have the team store open and big thanks to Volet. All right. Enjoy this episode with Chris. Big thanks to him and Jake for spending the time to be on here. All right. Enjoy. Uh, greetings, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us. Stuart Anderson here, joined by Jake Cook. Jake. Hello. Hello. Greetings. Uh, we're joined from another time zone from uh, California. Beautiful. Is it sunny California today, Chris? It's been sunny, you guys, but we've had some really adverse weather. So, Was it 52? Cool. You had to put thermals on today when you rode? Yeah, it's been dipping below 50. Uh, <laughs> so it's been really brutal. <laughs> we're going to need some toe warmers. <laughs> Uh, Chris Johnson joining us from TB. Do we, do we say just from TBD? How would you like the proper announcement? Uh, outdoor bro. What, what's the, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, just TBD racing. TBD is good. Just TBD. TBD racing. That is as the TBD guy. That is where we, um, that's where the forces really came together. Uh, if you don't know our team, I call you guys a sister club. Is that good? Yeah. yeah sister we do the same to you. It's like, it's like me dwelle but in another state, they literally are uh, brothers. We very uh, we mirror, mirror the clubs uh, in a lot of ways, which is super fun. If you don't know TBD, they come to team camp. Uh, we are always racing with them or seeing them at events. And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. Many TBDers are actually here in Utah as well. Yeah, quite a few. We're probably a 60-40 split, 70-30, something like that. Yeah, um, many up in the... Heber Valley area, beautiful area. Uh, so grateful to have you on. We thought it'd be fun to explore Chris's background, uh, who he is, very intriguing in the bike industry, as well as uh, get some information on TBD if you are in the dark there of who they are and why they come to camp. Does that sound good? Sounds great. Let's do it. I'm just so grateful to be here with Chris. Chris is uh, such a good friend and over the past couple of years, gotten to really know him and just, you know, I've been super excited about this podcast and those who have not are you should if you're not joining on the YouTube channel, you've got to see Chris's background. It's super famous. It's got the S Works box back there. You know we're gonna we're gonna dive into it, but uh, just you know super grateful for Chris. Love this dude, and uh, hope you all you know can take a listen for this podcast. So nice. thank you guys. You guys are incredibly kind. 
Um, so Chris is coming to us from, do we say Newport Beach? Fun fact about Chris and I, somewhere we started sharing locations. One of my most favorite items, things to do if you don't his. know about me. I his. love to collect people's locations, like my favorite <laughs> um, thing ever. It's I'm like, glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, it's so fun. So I see Chris uh, in Costa Mesa. I see him in his house every day. I check where he is. Very fun. Uh, TBD, we always race with them at Lodija. Like I said, we've gone to their climbing camp a few times. Very fun. And then they come to our St. George camp. Uh, Chris married with two beautiful girls currently living in Costa Mesa. Uh, he'll hit probably that 10th. I think 10,000 miles is not too far off for you. No, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. I've dialed maybe. it back a bit, guys. Okay. Okay. He's but dialed it you. back. Uh, we're looking at 350,000 vert. That's commendable. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good vert. Uh, we're, <laughs> there was a time where Jake and I thought maybe a million was possible. I don't in know. In one year? In one year. Yeah. Million. We figured 4,000 vert per ride on average would get that done. Wow. We've got, we've came close though. We've got about 700, haven't we? I think mm -hmm. 750. We're close. So, but 350 for Cali is 350. Very good. That's legit. That's all the Utah uh, riding really. Yeah. Multiple podiums uh, at Lodija for Chris, which is very commendable. Um, if you follow his Instagram page, his life is filled with uh, sprinter van adventures. Hopefully we can talk more about how that works. Uh, very successful YouTube channel with over 5,600 subscribers. And commendable, Chris, lots of fun comments in your YouTube, <laughs> in your YouTube comments. People are very engaged with your uh, YouTube channel, which is very yeah. fun. Yeah, it's good. Very skilled photographer. And if you don't follow his Instagram page, like I said, you are missing out. Uh, one of the videos he recently posted was he's owned 15 bikes in the last 10 years. Is that correct? That's it. I think it's 16 now. Oh, yeah. The orange, yeah. the orange epics in the, in the family now. Yeah. We got to dig into that. So uh, I told Chris in our little introduction here that he wrote that my father has a very famous saying that there's two types of men in this world. There's dudes you invite to a barbecue, and then there's dudes you don't invite to a barbecue. And Chris is very much a barbecue man. You, uh, once you're around him, you want to hang out, you want to share stories, and you just want him by your side. He's personal, fun, wise, and if you've ever ridden with him, he takes big poles, which is uh, really fun <laughs> to be behind. So welcome to the show, Chris. Grateful to have Thank you. Thank you. It's a very kind intro. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be with you. Hey, maybe tell us a little bit about just yourself, background, history, who you are. Is that yeah. good? Start there. Yeah, for okay. sure. So 37 uh, here in Costa Mesa, born in Southern California, born in Long Beach, which is about you know 20 miles north of here. Grew up inland about 45 minutes or so, uh, in like Temecula area. I don't know. Some people know where that's at. Uh, graduated high school in 2003 and went to Cal State Fullerton after that. So spent some time there, uh, served a two-year service mission for my church from 2005 to 2007. So lived in South America during that time. And then, uh, yeah, I came back, married my wife in 2009. Mm -hmm. And we've got two young girls, five and six, soon to be seven. And uh, yeah, like just kind of living the dream. Been riding bikes for 10 years, almost 11 years now. And it's been a blast, like... Yeah, athletic, well, athletic as a child, Chris, were you, uh, a so sport, I grew up playing ice star? hockey. That was a sport okay. that I played. My dad was like a huge hockey fan, which is bizarre, right. For Southern California, because I think there were like two ice rinks within like two hours of my house. And so, uh, my dad being like a huge Kings fan ever since he was a kid, he's like, all right, you're going to play hockey. So 
played roller hockey for a few years and then transitioned over to ice hockey. And at some point I just really enjoyed like the whole like skate, snowboard, uh, wakeboard scene. And for where I grew up, which, and I was trying to think of a comparison, it's probably comparable to like Heber uh, for you guys, right? Like there's a lake nearby, you can get to mountains, you know, fairly quickly. And so, you know, graduating high school in 2003, I think that whole like action sports world was just kind of starting to take off. So I, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time skateboarding as a kid, uh, snowboarding a lot. That was probably what I did the most. Like in the winter, we'd go up 60, 70 days a year, uh, and snowboard, which was a ton of fun. And we would do the same wakeboarding. So that's kind of where my athletics are. Not really didn't do a lot of team sports other than, you know, playing hockey when I was super young. I mean, I've scrolled all the way back into your Instagram, like picture one. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I I've seen some triathlons in there. Is that true? Ah, uh, Yes. I did have a tricurious, tricurious phase uh, for a couple years. And that, you know, that was kind of my introduction to cycling. I had a friend who was doing triathlons and I, and I never really loved all three sports. Like I always loved riding bikes. I thought swimming was kind of cool. I was terrible at it. Uh, I thought riding bikes was really fun. And I, one time felt like running was actually enjoyable, but that was like one out of a hundred times that I went out and ran the other 99. Like I just hated it, but for whatever reason, for probably like two <laughs> or three years, I just did triathlons, which consisted of like the Oceanside half Ironman and like the St. George half Ironman, but I never really loved it. So yeah, thank you. I'd forgotten about that. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> I saw an arrow helmet back there. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> So all right. Bad. So you, you had mentioned that cycling does that ch it checks all the boxes for you. Maybe you yeah. could talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So for me, you know, I'm, we can probably get into this later too, but like, I'm super protective of my time. And so, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to go and hang out with the guys on a Friday night or a Thursday night or Saturday night. Like that, that's just not me. Right. Like I, I prefer to spend my time with my family. And so cycling for me, is an opportunity to, you know, one, get up and get some exercise, uh, be competitive. It's a social thing for me. You know, again, I don't feel the need to go out on a Friday night and hang out with, you know, guys, because I hung out with guys on Tuesday morning and Thursday morning and Saturday morning, as we were kind of beating each other up. And it, it's just one of those things that really checks all the boxes. And I think, you know, because it checks all those boxes, it's incredibly efficient. I mean, if I go out for 60, 90, 120 minutes during the week, my day is better. You know, I come home, I'm like a, a better, a better father to my kids. I'm a better husband. Cause I've, I've like accomplished something big in the morning and uh, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's a fantastic sport. That Jake, makes sense. It does. Excellent answer. Jake, I think you feel the same way, don't you? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's that, that morning time in the morning is, is so special. Right. And uh, I mean, there's, there's, you know, I just like Chris said, when you come home to uh after working out, dude, you just feel re replenished and you feel ready. Like you can give your family some time and, and, uh, you know, ready to move on for the day. So, uh, no, I a hundred percent agree. That time in the morning is so special. Yeah. That's why these dark hours for us, Jake are hard. Oh, <laughs> so hard. It's brutal. And Zwift only fills that cup like halfway. It's like a, like a taste. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. Hey, um, you had mentioned, uh, Chris, that th this really cool article, which you sent over about, you can pick two. Um, yeah. Can you talk more about that? That was really fascinating. For sure. So if you guys are familiar with the author, Ryan Holiday, he does like the Daily Stoic podcast. Uh, he's written like a ton of books. 
I've probably read all of them. I have them all on my Audible account. Uh, he shares a story of like moving to, he lives like outside of Austin, Texas, and he moved there. And there's this other author there named Austin Cleon. And as Austin Cleon was kind of out there, uh, kind of showing Ryan around, he's like, look, you know, when you're out here, there's a ton of stuff to do. And you, you kind of have to categorize things and you, you've got work, you've got family, and you've got scene. You can only pick two. And that's something that for me has always resonated quite a bit. Um, and it goes into ties into why I think cycling is incredible, especially, you know, when you've got uh, friends that you can ride with in the mornings and stuff is I think when you, when you try to do all three, your life just becomes completely out of whack and it's totally out of balance. And in my professional life, I've always felt that way that I had time for work and family, but as soon as like the scene and by scene, I mean like, you know, after work stuff, uh, going on trips, traveling, you know, hanging out with the boys, like all that kind of stuff. When you try to squeeze all that into a week, let's say, I I've just never felt that it really provides any kind of balance. And so yeah. I think you have to pick two, you know, if you have work and family, you don't have time for scene. And if you have scene and work, I think your family suffers. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, you know, I, I like, of course, it's always fun to be in the scene every once in a while. It's always fun to be out and doing stuff like that. But uh, for me, it's it's typically work and family. And if I can squeeze some other stuff in there occasionally, great. But uh, that was an article that I had read that, you know, kind of uh, helped me kind of understand some expectations and and help me kind of position my life in a way that, that made a lot of sense. So it's a, it's a really cool article. I'm going to so post good. it in the show notes. Yeah. Very, uh, intrigued, made me think a lot. I mean, everybody's fighting for time. Yeah. I mean, especially as you try to throw in an event or like, a like a race. Right. <laughs> and, and writing goes beyond like, well, I want to get out and have fun and be with friends. Now it's like, no, no, no. I want to win. So I got train. <laughs> So, hey, let's talk about TBD for just a sec. I'd love for you to introduce the team. Yeah. Um, to could you just talk about this, who they are, for how sure. you got connected, yeah, and then the the culture of your squad, like how they work. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm kind of a newer guy to the team. The team really has been around for probably uh, 20 years. I mean, some of these guys go back friendship wise for years. Uh, Bob Emmett, who's up in Heber now, he started riding bikes years ago. He was down here in Irvine. And so, you know, some of these guys go way, way back. The team consists of a handful of guys that are down here, maybe 20, 25 guys. And then there are probably 10 or 15, you know, official, official TBD guys. There's no real official, like, you know, initiation or anything uh, that are out in Utah area, anywhere from Heber out to like Daybreak. One of the guys we race with lives out there now. Um, and so they're, they're kind of all over, but the team's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, and I used to ride bikes a lot alone and I got connected to the team through Mike Cunningham, who you guys know. And if, if you guys who are listening, don't know Mike Cunningham. I, I hope that you get to meet him someday <laughs> and just spend 15 minutes with Mike because dude, it's, it's just hilarious. Right. So Mike moved into my neighborhood and Mike rode bikes. And so instantly we kind of connected on that front and he was kind of riding with, you know, some random groups on Saturdays and stuff. And somehow he connected with Nate Kazir because they went to high school together. They went to the same high school and uh, they went and rode bikes together. And, uh, you know, so Mike came back to me and he's like, dude, you got to come ride with these guys. Like they're all really good guys. You know, they do this race called Lodija. And I had heard about Lodija and I just thought it was like this insane thing, which it is. Um, I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. So like the next Saturday I went with Mike to the 
Oak Oak Creek Elementary parking lot, which is where they all meet. And uh, yeah, so that's when I met Shane. That's when I met Tate. That's when I met Tyson, Jordan, all these guys who are kind of staples of the group who are always there, right? And again, these guys have been riding together for five, 10 years prior to me ever showing up. But the group is unique in that, you know, everyone is kind of friends first. And one of the things I remember from one of the first rides is that there was somebody who was kind of falling behind. And he was like, dude, just go ahead. Like, go ahead. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just roll back solo. And I don't remember who it was, but somebody just went back and rode with him. And, you know, fast forward five years that I've been riding with these guys, that happens all the time. And that's not to say that there's always somebody who's behind. It's just that there's always somebody who's willing to stay back with someone. If somebody's having an off day or they're just not feeling it, like the friendship is what matters. And the friendship is the primary focus of this group. And so, you know, as much as somebody may have some insane training day on the calendar, dude, if your buddies are having a rough day, uh, the guys from TBD, or at least a couple of them are going to hang back with you. So you're not solo, you know? And I think that the friendships are amazing. You know, I'm kind of a younger guy in the squad. I feel like many times in my life, I've been like a boy amongst men. And again, this is one of those, again, a lot of these guys are 10, 15, 15 years older than me. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of like life lessons that are shared too, uh, whether they're formal or informal, but, uh, some of the greatest conversations that I've had, uh, as I've, you know, been a new father or, you know, trying to figure out things with work and business, they've happened on bikes with these guys. And so it's like this all encompassing group where you're not just going out and killing each other on a Saturday. You're also like learning how to be like a better husband, better father, better friend. And uh, that's incredible to me. And it's something that I never thought that you could have in a bike group, but uh, dude, these guys do it. I mean, they're just, they're just phenomenal individuals uh, as well as athletes. I agree. I agree. And if you don't, if you didn't know, um, man, I'm sure there's like a TBD hall of fame or something going on, but I mean, Shane won, he won his category this year in Lodija. Yeah. Um, Jim, he won again, uh, his category. And so, um, like me, puts a lot of love into Lodija. It's like, that's a fun, I would say TBD, um, man, you guys might even take it up a notch above us. Where does that, where does that come from? Like who, who is the instigator of this, uh, culture? Uh, gosh, you know, <laughs> I think it's deeply rooted. If you go back even further to Bob Emmett, who you guys might've met when you rode with us, uh, this yeah. summer at our camp. I mean, Bob is kind of like, like Bob should be running for like the mayor of Heber, right? I mean, he's like that guy who knows everybody. He's lively. He's excited. He's the guy who calls up, uh, you know, the, What's the road out there that the we the red ledges? Down? Yeah, red ledges. Yes, is one. I feel like I can roll up to ledges, red ledges, any time of the year. And oh, I, Wolf and Creek, the Wolf Creek thing. Wolf Creek too. Yes, <laughs> and then wherever the gas station was that we yeah. went one day. Is it Hana? Is that a place? Uh, does yeah. he like get pies for you guys? Like pre-order pies or something yes. like that? Yeah, pre-orders pies. They're like thirty hot dogs on the rollers when we roll up to this place, <laughs> and like he's probably on a first name basis with all of these people. So like the excitement and the stoke, whatever you want to call it, I think originates from Bob, uh, who is like the ultimate hype man and like the ultimate champion of every single guy on the team. Hmm. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> he'd probably be embarrassed if I told the story, but he's the guy who, similar to what we were talking about with like the find my friends thing, some, somewhere along the way, like I added Bob on find my friends so he could see me and 
you know, he, he, see, he sees my wife during Lodija as they're both doing support for different people. And he goes, Casey, I just want to say, it's so cool. You know, most people delete me from Find My Friends, but Chris <laughs> left me on there. And I think it's so cool to watch and see where Chris is. But so like, cool. he's just genuinely excited about like everything that's going on in his friends. And he's just a truly like, like a good individual. And so I think, I think the excitement for Lodija uh, starts there. And, cool. you know, I don't know all of the back history with Lodija and the group, but I do know that uh, there was a year, I think it was 2017, because it was the one of the years that I was considering writing, but uh, my wife was, she was due like, I think the end of September. And so Lodija just didn't work out that year for me. And so my first Lodija wasn't until 2018, but there was a tailwind year where everybody got these like incredible times. It was like the first time that like a ton of guys, you know, broke 10 hours, mm -hmm. but then a lot of guys were like, 920, 915, 916, something that, you know, 12 and 24 months prior hadn't really even been on the radar. So then all of a sudden, everything just like jumped up a notch. And we went into 2018, 2019, 2020. And everybody's like, dude, we're, we're now so going to like race this thing instead of yeah. just like trying to, you know, break 10 hours. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but like it the excitement, it, it's, it's a contagious excitement. And it's something that everybody shares in. And it's, it's fun. I mean, we talk about that, like Lodija is just one race day uh, out of 250 or so training days leading up to that point in the year. Um, but those 250 days that, you know, we ride together, train together are like a total blast too, you know? So yeah, I think that's where the excitement comes from. Nice. I mean, you've had some really successful race days that lo those Lodija race days. And um, I'm interested to hear how you um, with your previous advice of picking two, yeah. how, how does a guy like you, I mean, you did extremely well. Um, how do you look at your last three years participating in that event, how you've trained the experiences you've had, and then the result that you got? Yeah. So the first, yeah, the first time we did a, we, we got on the podium was on in 2020 and we went one, two, three. Yeah. And that was kind of a unique year because you know you had all the COVID stuff going on and the pandemic and I know it was a bit different out there in Utah but out here in California like things were pretty shut down yeah I mean I remember there was a Saturday in probably spring of 2020 when I was just riding with Shane because you had to be like you know socially monogamous and and you couldn't ride with anybody else and so yep. it was like all right I guess I'm gonna ride with Shane and so like we're riding up these canyons and there are people holding signs that are like stay out of our canyon you know like go home <laughs> it's a weird time but what it allowed is that it allowed for us to kind of like just train a bunch because everybody was home. Nobody was traveling. And so that was the first year that I started to kind of get into a rhythm of, you know, how to train for what worked for me. And I think the biggest thing was, you know, one, like getting started early in the year and kind of establishing somewhat of a base. And I had bought, I had bought a smart trainer years prior, but I didn't really use it probably to the full extent that I could have. I was doing like Sufferfest. I tried Zwift and I, it just didn't really do it for me. And then I switched over to trainer road and did like, you know, one of those two part foundational plans. So it's like a six week base, you know, step one, and then another six week base. So it's like a 12 week base. And I felt like that really helped me uh, get on like a pretty good trajectory for the year. And I also realized that with a smart trainer, I could wake up at five or five fifteen, and I could be done by seven o'clock in the morning. And if I was done by seven o'clock in the morning, I was done before my kids ever got out of bed. And so I was able to kind of train in this kind of like vacuum time where nobody was really going to bother me. It was kind of my time. And 
yeah, I just felt like the consistency of having, you know, people to train with all the time, having a good plan, having a schedule dialed in, like really worked for me. So nice. 2020, uh, you know, we, we went one, two, three, we got really lucky. We raced against some like incredible guys who like Todd and those guys raced with, uh, the following year, mm -hmm. uh, David Benyon is one, and he's just like an absolute beast. We also got a little bit lucky. We, uh, I don't know how deep you want me to go into this story. Deep. But, uh, Keep, going. Deep. Keep going. So, so 2020, <laughs> we rolled up to the start line. I had kind of known, I, I had like a mutual friend with some of these guys. And so I had messaged him prior to the race and I said, Hey, we've got a mutual friend in this guy. Like, what are you guys thinking for the race? And, you know, they were like super nonchalant about it, but these guys were like animals. They live up in the Bay area. Um, some of them ride with your guy who now lives up there. I forget his name. Uh, Taylor Cannon. Yes. Yeah. So he rides with them. If that gives you any kind of like level of how gnarly these guys are. Mm -hmm. And so we, we roll up to the start with these guys and dude, just like the right from the gun, they were, they were fast. And then we got into strawberry and they like pushed the pace. And then we got into the false flattened strawberry and they tried to break up the group, which they did a fantastic job. So we ended up rolling over with, you know, 15 guys or so over strawberry and we got to salt river and they had, I think they had three of them. Maybe it was four let's call it three so they had one guy kind of set a screen as we were going up salt river so he got to the front to kind of like take a pull slowed everybody down and then the other two took off and so they take off and they go over salt river before we do and it takes us like 82 miles to catch these guys <laughs> we catch the one guy who set the screen he kind of got dropped pretty quick going over salt river but the other two guys I think we caught the second place guy. Uh, his name was Derek. We caught Derek at, I don't know. We'll, we'll call it like mile 180. Wow. Caught Derek, rode with him for a little while. And then, so, so this means that David was off the front solo, right? right? And so finally we catch David. He had gotten to like Hoback Junction or one of those spots. And he's just off to the side of the road with a flat tire. He'd gone solo off the front. And unfortunately got a flat tire. So we got lucky and we, we went one, two, three that year. I mean, we still pushed the pace. I rode with Steve and Jim who those guys are animals and they still raced the rest of that race as if those guys were somehow going to catch us. I got dropped three times from Hoback <laughs> to the end by my own guys and then had to like claw my way back. But I mean, in their defense, like they were right to keep racing. Right. So that was 2020, 2021, like executed a similar plan. Uh, you know, trained early in the mornings, had like a really good base that I developed probably in the first quarter of the year. And then uh, that year we got split a little bit and we had a front group with like Steve Lowe and a couple other guys because we were a mixed four or five group that year. Yeah. And uh, we were the chase group. So we went two, four and five. I took fifth that year. Thank goodness mm -hmm. for the wide podium. Mm -hmm. And then this last year, so September, a couple months ago, we went, what did we do? Was it we a one, two, one, one, three, one, four, one, three, yeah, four, one, I think. three, four, I think that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. And yeah, this year was kind of funky. We, we had a really good group of seven, you know, again, third year in a row racing with uh, Jimmy Coy and Steve Lowe. And uh, we went over Salt River and there were only four of us. And wow. this poor guy, Byland, I forget his first name, but he, his, cousin is my friend brett and uh we rolled over salt river four of us so now we're like a lead group of four so we're kind of like guaranteed a podium spot unless something catastrophic happens 
And we let Bylan go off the front for what we say is going to be like two or three miles, right? Like we'll catch him. Yeah, give him like five miles. Do we let the guy sit out there? I feel so bad. We, we let him sit out there solo for 30 miles. Oh my goodness. Well, we just kind of like slowly inched our way towards so him. Rude. And uh, we had planned to catch him on like some kind of like a, a little bit of a descent where we could just fly past him so he couldn't catch on. And there just yeah. wasn't an opportunity. We didn't really, you know, we didn't really plan it that well. So we finally got to Afton and he just waited for us in the feed zone. He's like, you guys left me to cook out there for the last 30 miles. Yep. Like, what the so hell? you get for not having a teammate, bro. <laughs> right, exactly. But he was like the nicest guy. And then we totally kind of fumbled the sprint. And uh, if you look at the replay of that sprint, you'll see that Jim is like sitting up as he crosses the finish line. Yeah. Uh, because we were going to go Steve one, me two, Jim third, and then Byland was going to go fourth, I assume. But he was smart, he read the situation well, went around to the right. We all went left and like it just, yeah, but whatever. I mean, Jim won, so we were stoked about that. Had we gotten second, like I think we all would have been really distraught, but it was a, it was a super fun year of racing. So we've nice. gotten lucky the last few years. Very cool. Will lucky, you do it again? I would not call it lucky. You guys plan. <laughs> There's any any team that plans and prepares for Lodija, it's TBD. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, we try to like, you know, incorporate a little bit of the team aspect into it and try to incorporate some team tactics in there. Because prior to that, it was like, yeah, dude, just just make it over Salt River with the leaders and then just hang on. And I was like, oh, there's got to be some other things that we can do. If we have seven guys rolling up to the start line, like there's some things that we can do. And so, you know, not to give away any of the secrets. Uh, that mm. No, no, but, leaders, but but you guys train that way. I mean, I mean, I've ridden with you guys, Stu's ridden with you guys and and Cali and, and you guys train that way. I mean, you know, when you guys are riding down south at Dana Point, I mean, you guys are in a Peloton. You're like, hey, we're taking you know, a minute polls. I mean, you guys are, are, yeah. you guys are simulating this whole thing just to like Hoback or just like strawberry climb. I mean, you, it's, it's the real deal. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, we try to, we don't have the, we don't have the climbs quite like you guys and we don't have the elevation. So a lot of times we will try to create a route that is call it fairly flat for the first 40 miles. Sure. And then we'll end up at Newport coast, which you guys know, and that'll turn into like a 20 minute climb to the top. And then we'll drop down and go into Laguna Canyon. And so we try to kind of simulate it as best as we can. Smart. Uh, but inevitably you guys kick our butts as soon as we get to elevation. So we'll try to figure that out. Hey, uh, biggest lessons learned from doing that race. What do you love about it? Man, you know, that race to me is like always going to be on the calendar because I feel like I learned so much about myself just from, you know, having it on the calendar one and kind of pushing myself for nine months out of the year. But then I think you learn like what you're capable of. Um, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if I thought I could do a 200 mile race, I would have told you like, nah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> right. Um, but now I go into it, like understanding what my body's capable of understanding a lot more about how I work, how I mentally can push through things. Um, so Lodija, you know, I feel like is, is a one day event, but the things that you learn about yourself, um, about, you know, what you can do, it, it overflows and spills into other aspects of your life. And so the lessons learned there just carry over to business and family and lessons to your kids and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, that's one of the reasons I love it. I mean, you know, you guys know Loda J is a race where you have to dig deep. And uh, there have oddly been times where I've been out there and I've been like emotional, right? Because you are drawing strength from things that uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't normally even think about because you're not pushing yourself to that kind of a level. And when you're averaging 200 220 Watts or 240 Watts, whatever it is for, for 10 hours, it's like, 
dude, you're thinking about stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys know my, my dad passed away in, in June of this year. And so you, you push yourself to a point, or at least I did this year where all of a sudden, like I'm drawing strength upon like that experience that I had. Right. And, and thinking about the battles and the struggles that he went through and telling myself like, dude, you think this is bad? Like you, you can get through this. Right. And, uh, stuff like that, I think is really incredible. And I've, I've had friends, you know, on the team who have had like, you know, almost like a spiritual experience. I know that might be kind of cheesy, but almost like a spiritual experience from just racing Lodija. Uh, and, and I think that's what makes it so special. And that's why it's just on the calendar and it will always be on the calendar. Hmm. I love that. So good. That's tough, Chris, losing your dad. I, we, uh, obviously, we we saw it happen this year, but man, it, I agree. Finding that strength from something else when that day gets dark, because it inevitably will get dark. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Hey, if you if um, this is a good transition, because yeah. um, the reason I ask Crystal's questions is uh, he he runs his YouTube channel, and he actually did a. Uh, like a breakdown of his day of his loaded date, which is super cool to watch uh, what he learned and how the day went. And um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, the channel and, and why it was created, what it is and, and what you post. Yeah. Let me add just one more point on the loaded yeah. thing. And that is that I think, you know, the other thing I've learned too, is that uh, loaded is just a 200 mile bike ride. And I think you've got to sometimes simplify it and you can't prepare for every situation. I mean, if you're the guy who's carrying four inner tubes because you think you might get four flats throughout the day and you have to finish like your race is kind of already over, you know? And so I think you have to think practically about the race and go, okay, you know, I'm going to put a new set of tires on. I'm going to tune my equipment to the best that it can possibly be. And there are a lot of things that are out of, out of, uh, out of my control. And so I think that's what also like kind of takes a little bit of the pressure off of loader and makes it more enjoyable in my opinion. First couple of years, I tried to prepare for everything. Right. And it was like my triathlon. I remember going to triathlon and I've got like 10 goos and like cliff bars and all these things in my back pockets. <laughs> so I could do like an eight hour half Ironman. Right. And like, you know, what you realize is like, you don't need any of that stuff. Like you just kind of need to focus and enjoy the moment. So anyways, that's my last point about loader uh, for now, but uh, yeah. So the YouTube channel started because I had this sprinter van and uh, <laughs> I think it'll be two years. What's the date today? Today's the ninth. It, it's like tomorrow that we've had this thing for two years. And so if you guys, you guys own homes, uh, you know what it's like when you're like remodeling something or building something out, inevitably you go like over budget on stuff. And so I had the sprinter van and we bought it. And then we started to kind of look at the uh, budget of what it was going to cost to build. And it was like, way beyond what I ever thought. You know, we had a guy here who, uh, was doing uh, sprinter van renovations, converting them into like camper vans from like just a shell. And I just happened to talk to him like on a Thursday night. And I was like, Hey dude, what do you think it would cost to like build something out? You know, super basic just for me and my family. And he goes, ah, you could probably do it for like, you know, 15 grand or something. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like that's a number I could probably work with. That sounds awesome. So like the next day, you know, I, I scour the internet trying to find one of these vans. And then three days later, I'm like on a plane to Phoenix to buy the van and bring it back. So then I roll up to the parking lot with the van, you know, four days later. And I was like, all right, dude, I got it. Let's do it. 15 grand. And he's like, "Mm, well, I mean, that's for like the basic, (laughs) basic thing. Right. 
a single so, bench a single yeah basically to like make sure that it's not just like aluminum walls uh-huh. you know <laughs> so i'm like shoot okay well this thing's like now going to be way over budget right and i also felt like as i was going through the process of finding a van as well as outfitting a van that there just wasn't like really practical information out there you know there was information from these guys that were like the hardcore overland guys that were like taking their sprinters and like you know basically taking them on like the rubicon trail and like just off-roading the heck out of these things. And then you had guys who were like also swinging hammers and cutting holes. And and like, I didn't identify with either of these groups. So I'm like making decisions about how to outfit this van. And there just really wasn't anyone that I could relate to. And so I thought, you know, it would be interesting to start a channel just based around my decision process as I've built out a spreadsheet on how to build out this van. And so that was kind of how it started. It started as like, hey, there could be a need for something like this. Of course, there was like a monetization um, aspect to it, mm-hmm. but you know, as you know, a year later, two years later, if you understand the metrics of YouTube, like you know, <laughs> it'll take me five more decades to pay off the van. But like, it's <laughs> it, that's kind of how it started. As I saw a need, and I think that need has kind of translated, I think, also into cycling because that's kind of you know a little bit of my story as well. Is like, yeah. you have all these guys who are like racing bikes who are like people that I can't relate to. They're not people that I ride with. I mean, they're, they're committable athletes and like, dude, I have the utmost respect for them, but as like a normal dude, we're feeling different things on a bike, you know? And so that's kind of how the channel started and it's kind of transitioned and snaked a little bit along the way. Very cool. I mean, some, some of the titles that you'll find on there, um, how we built the perfect do it all bike, the new crux, the dream bike build, the S works ethos, best gravel bike shoes, road mountain or gravel bike three things i wish i'd known before considering buying you do stuff yeah like sprinters helmets shoes tires bikes races you even do some how to performs bike computers i watched a video today about bearings i mean we get <laughs> it's deep, <laughs> deep dude <laughs> yeah so uh very Good cool list. it's uh, thank you and it's really well produced if you're not following uh the channel i'll certainly link it in the notes but it's very fun very thanks good. dude so cool yeah, Jake, any comment on Outdoor Bros uh, YouTube channel? No, I absolutely love it. I mean, anyone that like, like ask me if I'm like a good, like I can talk shop, right? But I'm not going to lie. My secret of my talk shop is Chris's <laughs> exactly. Instagram. So I mean, anybody who's like, hey, what do you think of this helmet? Or hey, what do you think of the crux or this? I'm like, here you go. Here's a link to this Outdoor Bros thing. He's got it dialed. Like you should listen to him. And so I take no credit for all my my knowledge. It all comes from Chris and, and nice. his stuff. So it's it seriously is one of the coolest pages. And so much detail, so much insight on all the bike gear and just the industry. So just give it a follow and listen if you have any questions. It's so cool. Oh, thank you guys. That's really kind. Yeah. I, it's been a really fun, like side project. You know, I, I tell myself I'm going to do it for like one day a week. Right. So <laughs> ripped film. I want more and be done. Yeah. I wish I could devote more time to it, but you know, until, uh, yeah, until it really makes sense. Like it's one day a week and it's one video a week. And it's, it's been a really fun process. If nothing else, like I learned how to edit. I figured out audio. I mean, for the first right. 10 videos, if you scroll real deep in those videos, dude, I had, I had the microphone plugged into the headphone jack for the first 10 videos, right? So like I'm editing this and like the audio is terrible. And I'm like, dude, this microphone sucks. Like I'm going to send it back to Amazon, but I just had it plugged into the wrong port. So, you know, it's one of those things that like, it is a slow build thing. You know, I'm not Logan or Jake Paul, right? So I'm not going to like blow up with some <laughs> insane viral video or anything like that, but it's been really cool, you know, and connecting with people in, you know, the bike community and people who are just genuinely like curious about bikes has been, it's been awesome. I mean, I've had 
endless conversations about cruxes and about people's different builds and stuff like that. And dude, I mean, the, the, the simple idea that I have, like people have like done stuff that is way, way, way cooler. And, you know, people are stoked. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. The funnest part about it is, and you say it at the beginning of every video, you know, you're not sponsored. No one's paying you to do them. You yeah. know, you, it, it's like, a, and you always say, I'm just a regular guy with a nine to five job. Smashing the pedals. And that's fun. I think that's the coolest part. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I try to keep it very normal. You know, I try to keep it like a conversation as if we were on a group ride and like, you know, Jake's like, Hey, what do you think of the prevail versus the evade? I'm like, well, yeah. let me tell you, you know, or what do you think about these ceramic variants? Like, well, you know, maybe it would not be the best bang for your buck, but it is something that you can feel, you know? And so I always try to approach it like that because look, we're having these conversations. I mean, we're going out on Tuesday morning and riding right. and everybody's talking about this stuff, you know, especially in my group where guys are buying stuff all the time and they're always willing to try the latest and greatest gear. Uh, it's really cool. And it's, I think it's one of the fun parts about cycling. You know, it's a, it's an expensive hobby. I always say like, it's not as expensive as cars, but it's probably a close second. And, uh, you know, there's just like an endless amount of cool little gear that just gives you like tiny little marginal gains along the way. And yeah, I always geek out on that stuff. So it's so cool. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, I, as we, as we kind of wrap up into this ending, uh, some advice from Chris, I want to start off with this. This is cool. He, he wrote in the notes, he says, if I'm not saying hell yeah, then I'm saying no. It's a phrase that I live by. Maybe start there with your advice. What does that mean? Where'd that come from? Well, Dude, I, you know, again, like I'm super, super protective of my time. And uh, if you guys were down here and we rode on a regular basis, you'd see there are just some days that I just don't ride. And it's not uh, because, you know, not because I'm not feeling it or whatever. It's like, there are some times that I just, I, I kind of measure things against like, okay, if I do this, it takes away from like time with my kids and my family. And you guys know this from having kids that, you know, my daughter who is five and like wants to, uh, set up a little coffee shop or a little diner and, and set, set up all her little bears and have a tea party. Dude, she's five and she's going to want to do that for another few months. And then she's going to move on to something else. And I, I need to take advantage of those times. And I need to make sure that I'm here for that because if I'm not, dude, she's going to be six and she's not going to want to do that anymore. And I miss that window and I can never get that time back. And so for me, whether it's, Dude, you name it, whether it's work stuff, whether it's bike stuff, whether it's like, you know, stuff in the community responsibilities, like dude, I, I say no to a lot of stuff and it's always against that me me measurement or that measuring stick of my family, because mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair to take time away from my wife and my family to do things that aren't really worthwhile or that can be handled in a more efficient way. And so I say no to a lot of lunch meetings. I say no to a lot of phone calls where somebody may just want to like chat about something. Like I, I just don't, I just don't do it. Um, and sometimes it comes across maybe as a little bit rude, but you know, it allows me to fit loaded to training, work, life, hanging out with my family. Like it allows me to do the things that I want to do. And so, yeah, I kind of say like, dude, if I'm not really, really excited about something, I'm just saying no to that thing. And it's worked well so far and it's allowed me to spend more time with my family and my kids. And uh, that's really what's important at the end of the day to me. Nice. That's so good. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, uh, you, I mean, you've been exposed to a lot of, I mean, we just, me and you and Jake, we're just surrounded by whatever cyclists as weird as it gets. Um, if you're going to give advice to someone 
maybe they're starting or they're looking to you as a mentor, where do you start? Where do you start that advice to get them? Where, where are you telling them to get the most out of this sport? Uh, I would say find a group that you can ride bikes with. You know, riding bikes solo is fun. If you just want to get some exercise, that's great. But finding a group who you can connect with and spend time with. And, you know, like I've talked about our groups, like phenomenal. Um, it doesn't have to be our group. You know, it just kind of works well for my interests and my lifestyle. But I think finding a group, um, you know, when it comes to buying a bike, I think just start used. I'm a huge advocate for buying used bikes. Uh, you don't have to break the bank to get into the sport. I mean, no one needs to go spend 10 or $12,000 on a bike. That's just absurd. And if you're somebody who's new in the sport, dude, go spend a few hundred bucks and like get a bike and see if you like it because you can try it. And if you don't like it, you could probably resell it for about what you paid for. And if you lose a little bit of money, like, oh, well, you know, that's what you would have spent on a gym membership for a month or something. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm a fan of like kind of starting small and then scaling it as you go. And so you know, don't get caught up in having to get all the latest and greatest stuff, all the newest stuff, just find the discipline that works for you and that your friends are going to do. So whether that's your, your buddies are riding road or they're riding gravel, or they're riding mountain bikes, you know, if that's what they're doing, maybe borrow a bike from them. Maybe go find one that's inexpensive and, and just enjoy it. And uh, it's, it's a sport that I think probably uh, is one of the most fun sports on the planet. It's just a total blast. Yeah. You even suggested a rental in yeah. a video I want. Yeah. Rent yeah, that gravel sure. bike. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think the shop down the street charges like a hundred bucks to rent a bike for a day. So if you want to try a crux, you can rent a crux for a hundred dollars a day. And if you end up buying the bike there, I think they apply that towards the purchase of the bike. Um, I don't know many shops that will just let you like take a bike these days. I think back in the day, maybe you could, but, uh, you know, I think that's a great way to try a bike as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally worthwhile. Nice. Jake questions. You know, I, I want to ask the same question that Stu asked me on my podcast, you know, you know, looking back, Chris to 21 year old, Chris, what, 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 what you, what advice would you like, what advice would you give him? So I had kind of this same thought and I asked myself this same question when I turned 30, you know, and I was kind of like looking at a career change and I was looking at, um, you know, making some changes in my life. And I asked myself, like, if I could go back in time, like what would 20 year old Chris, what would I tell 20 year old Chris, you know, what, which moves should you make along the way? What would you change? And I think the number one thing is just to kind of follow your gut. You know, I think we inevitably have, you know, an instinct that, tells us, you know, kind of where we need to go and what we need to do. And I think sometimes it's really hard to follow that. So for mm -hmm. me, in, in that case, it was, uh, you know, starting a small business and, and not working for someone else. And, you know, taking that risk, um, you know, it could be a place to move, whatever it might be. But I think, you know, following your gut instinct, uh, doing what you feel like is right, and, and, and not worrying about what anybody else thinks. At the end of the day, like, it doesn't really matter, right? It, it, what matters is, you know, what you're doing, what your, your little family or your circle is doing. And, and outside of that, it's, you know, kind of do what you want. So follow your gut, follow your heart. I know that sounds cheesy, but, you know, take those risks. I think that they're absolutely worthwhile. And I think, uh, you know, as I realized this, this year, you know, like life is very short. And mm -hmm. so, you know, enjoy the time that you have and do the things that you want to do, you know, within some certain parameters. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's worthwhile. So nice. good. So good. Um, Chris, I was constantly amazed this summer at the volume of your training. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was incredible. There were some days where I was like, holy cow. 
Well, you can blame Shane for that because I can't, I can't, <laughs> you can but blame I, Shane for that because I would just want to go out and do like a normal day. And then Shane would do like two a days. Okay. And like, this oh, is great. Like now, I, now I have to go out and do another ride at lunch because this guy has already done two rides. Well, right? you don't have, you don't have to spill the secrets, but I want to know, is there method? Is there a method here to, to how you guys are training? No, you know, I think it's. <laughs> No, I mean, the trainer helps a ton. That's been really good. Like during the summer, I was on the trainer, typically Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays for between 60 and 90 minutes. And then on Tuesdays, we would do coffee crew. You guys know coffee crew. It's like most fun ride around here. We would do coffee crew and that was, you know, 30 miles. But then we would add like what we called the, the doom loop as we got, you know, later into the year, which was like, an additional two laps up Newport coast, which gives us like another 2000 feet of climbing again, cause we have to compete against you guys who are just up and down immigration all year. <laughs> and so, so really you guys are to blame, but uh, we would just, yeah, we would just do like really early morning rides. And sometimes we'd roll out of the house at four 45, five in the morning. Yep. Cause that's what worked. And then Saturdays were typically, you know, Saturdays were typically a hundred miles or so, but I'll tell you what, like I was, my wife will tell you this. There are probably only, you know, five or six Saturdays out of all summer that I was home after like 10 30 AM because we would go out super, super early. And that's again, like talking about time, that's something that I'm hypersensitive about is, nice. you know, getting back before things are, you know, it's a stress on uh, the family. And so if, if the night before my wife's like, yeah, it'd be great if you could be back by 11, dude, I'll be back at 10 30, you know, just to kind of like so over, good over promise or sorry, over deliver there. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it seems to work. And every, every year after loader judge, we're driving home, you know, just kind of like a, a quiet moment. I say, Hey, so, you know, what did you think of my, my training load this year, as we would call it. <laughs> and I always kind of like pause and just kind of like wait, you know, but so far, like every year she's been like, you know, this year, like, wasn't that bad, you know? Yeah, so you're an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you just can't, you just Strava, can't. Sorry, go ahead, Jake. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. If you look on Strava and you look at like the amount of time that you've spent on the bike, like it's kind of foolish, really. Like I looked this morning and it, it's like well over 400 hours, That's which crazy. averages out to be about seven hours a week, which doesn't sound that crazy. But when I look at 400 hours, Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of time. Like, and that's why after loaded, I have to pump the brakes <laughs> quite a bit. Cause it's like, dude, I spent 400 hours on the bike, which is awesome. But like, there are probably some other things that I should devote 400 hours to, you know? <laughs> so I know I always joke around with Kristen. We used to have like CrossFitter friends and they would do like mobility gymnastics. Then they do the Metcon and then the endurance. And I'd be, and it was like two hours, right? At the gym. Yeah. I'd be like, what an idiot. Two hours <laughs> at the gym? Right. It's so crazy. And I'm like, two hours. I'm like, that's that ride sucks. I'm like, it's got to be right. at least three. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's got to be three or it doesn't really count, especially yeah, in the weekends. Hey, uh, let's wrap up. We good? We're good. It's great. This is fun. Chris, you're the man. Hey, um, as we wrap up here, I wanted to just uh, express how grateful I am for not only the team, for Jake, for Chris, but uh, I, I've, you know, reflected a lot on s some of the people that I associate with, you know, that get my time. Like as my kids get older and um, like I move into like Chris says, so many people want a piece of your day. Uh, I am just grateful for not only the time we spent together, but just 
I, I am with Chris. I'm with Jake. I have this perspective that the real fun of this activity is in the journey, like the things that we get to do that build up to the event and whatever. If I get a flat outside Montpelier or I don't even know, just kidding, I got one in Mink Creek. It doesn't matter. It was an incredible journey to get there. Uh, and I, I look at that and this like that, like it's uh, just super grateful for uh, you guys and everybody that is part of this cool experience together. So, yeah. Amen, dude. Right back at yes. you. And I, I think I speak for the whole team that we love you guys. You guys are a sister team. You guys are like brothers and there's a special bond here. So I appreciate yeah. you guys. What's uh, 2023, Chris? Grodio, what do you got? What's going on? Crusher. You, you got it mapped Crusher. out? Oh, he's going to need more yeah, gear. I don't know, Crusher, I don't know if bro. I'm saying hell yeah to, to Crusher. Uh, <laughs> you don't but... want to stay in Beaver, Utah? It's beautiful. He's got a van, dude. He, he's okay. Oh, that's true. I don't know. I mean, you know, when I set out to plan 2022, it was like, all right, we got your camp, right? Which is on the counter for 2023. My camp, uh, we got Lodija. And I think I'll do Grodio again because I think Grodio was a total blast. Uh, I guess we're doing that France thing, which still doesn't Ooh. seem quite real to me. Yes. So that's kind of probably like the big, the big thing that's on the calendar that we're really excited about. And that's like, I'm, you know, I'm fifth, I'm half excited to like go ride in Europe, but I'm also like equally excited to go like, you know, take photos and film and create like daily vlogs, cool. like all those things that I've wanted to do like forever. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be a big one. I'm excited. Money. So good. Jake, have you mapped it out yet? What do you got? You ready so to I, commit? Commit to France or what? I don't know. Anything 2023. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. I, I haven't even taken a look at 2023 yet, but the France thing is on my on my radar for sure. I've just uh you I'm in the it. last little stages trying to massage the wife with it. But uh no, that is definitely a a trip that's on the radar for me. Obviously, you know, Lotus is always in the picture for me. Uh, I think Crusher for sure. I'll be back for Crusher. Uh, I had a great experience there, but uh, no, I just, I think for me, it's all about experiences and the journey, like you talked about Stu and, and, and spending time with those you, you love. And, you know, I love being a part of and riding with TBD. I love riding with you, Stu. I think that's just, that's how I set my goals every year as I talked about. And, you know, it's, that's how I, that's how it goes. So money. Dude, we'd love to have you in France, man. That'd be really fun. So good, man. Be so cool. If not, just come down to California, like, you know, well, or in the week after or just plan an extra trip down here to the villas <laughs> the room's already reserved for you guys so nice for those in newport you've got to ride with tbd seriously you've got to link up with these guys and ride with them it's an absolute blast and hammer it's fest for sure so Dude, there was a time like after loderja where we had a miduela guy like every week yep, i remember and it was amazing like i was like, waiting <laughs> for the next guy and then i don't know what happened the weather's getting bad it's like still kind of decent out here if you guys consider like the fifties. Okay. Like it's still really oh, nice. In here, so please come 50s out. Is beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> thanks Chris. Appreciate thanks it, Chris. Love thanks, you, Jay. man.